0: I got, lot of, I got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down. So it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again. They'd look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. Hello, Americans. I'm Paul Harvey. If I were the devil were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness, and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. The So I would set about however necessary to take over the United States. President Kennedy has been seriously wounded by this shooting. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of the serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old I would teach to pray after me which are in Washington. And then I'd get organized, I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. The president of the United States is racist. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions just let those run wild. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing, I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls, and church money. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. I would caution against extremes. I'm here to warn people. You keep telling me to shut up. This isn't a game. In hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct, I would convince the young that marriage is old fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. You know the rest of the story. (laughs)
1: put white people on islands so that we'd reduce
2: their population here's the thing though it would quickly become the best island and then all you guys would just want to come
0: to it (laughs) (laughs) white america
1: wake the fuck up white america wake the fuck up
2: welcome to episode number 202 of the sane asylum i'm your host giuseppe Vafangulo, some call me the G-man. What an honor it is to have the first interview with the brilliant author of A Nation Upside Down, From Sovereignty to Serfdom, Enslavement of the People, Kenneth Thomas Carter, goes by Ken Carter. Ken, welcome. It's great to have you back. How uh, How are you doing? I haven't seen you since last year.
1: Doing very well, thank you. Just a comment on your introduction. Sure. Uh, General Boykin was actually a guest speaker at our church several years ago. What a great oh, wow. man. Yeah. And uh, I got, I uh, forget the title of his book, but he has uh, written a book, maybe more than one, got him to autograph his book for me. And uh, oh, the Paul awesome. Harvey uh, thing, I remember, I used to love to listen to Paul Harvey, of course. It was oh, yeah, many, me too. Many years ago. And I actually heard that uh, show when Paul Harvey made that speech. Oh, when
2: uh, he did it live? Wow. When he
1: did it live. And that uh, is quoted in its entirety in my book. I don't remember what chapter it's in, but it's quoted in its entirety in there. What a great man he was.
2: Yes, he was. He was was clearly... Uh, a a a a bedrock of of moral sanity and and it's yeah. sad that uh, I mean you know lucky he's passed man if he could see what has happened to this country in only uh, forty years thanks to the Satanists the synagogue of Satan the Zionists the communists you name it uh, all all various uh, monikers for the uh, children of the devil the international Jew as Dave Gahari likes to call them and yep. man if they done a number on us it's so sad.
1: Absolutely very sad. Um I can only imagine what Paul Harvey's talk shows would be today.
2: Oh yeah I mean he's he'd probably have gotten very radical and as the young folk over at Goyim TV like to say based, <laughs> he would probably have been based. Because you just can't tolerate, you know. Ken, it's funny to me, and I'll get your thoughts after I make this statement. It's like if you if you like, you know, in, in these uh, modern uh, uh, business uh, arenas, they they like to have the instead of a chalkboard, it's a whiteboard board, and you have these um, these colored markers. And if you take a whiteboard and you take a big black marker and draw a line down the center of the whiteboard, and you put on one side divine good. And on the right side, uh, Luciferian evil, everything that we rail against—you know, the uh, child raping, communism, uh, 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 homosexual child grooming trannies, the the illegal, immoral wars that are not fought for the good of American citizens but are fought for the good of Israel, the the the, the, the satanic. In- infiltration like a cancer or malignancy <laughs> spreading into all manners of music and entertainment and information the the uh, bizarre twist of uh, traitorous communists controlling all major educational institutions the bizarre uh, satanic control of this government in service to an illegal immoral invading parasite in Israel where the the native Palestinians right now are being wiped out and, and, you know, that's a long list of evil that, it, that is all working together to try and destroy the, the, the Christian first world European legacy nation states. And so, you know, on the side of divine good, you have <laughs> traditional white people, us, uh, courageous people like us who are speaking out. And, uh, of course, there's others. But there, there's a long list of evil and a short list of good. Isn't that sad, Ken? Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Very, very sad. And the people need to wake up. That's the reason I wrote the book, is to try to, well, as the uh, gentleman said in your introduction, America, wake the F up. Yeah, exactly. if, If the people don't wake up, then we are doomed as a nation and as a free people.
2: Absolutely. So there's two major events that have been occurring, and I like, like well more than two, but we'll start with two that I'd like to get your thoughts on first. What we addressed it, your last appearance a little bit, but it's getting worse and worse. This this uh, this genocidal mass murdering by these uh, satanic Israelis against the native people in Gaza, the Palestinians. You know, what's so interesting to me, Ken, is that. Before these uh, devil worshippers, these Satanists, under the uh, remphen uh, Blue Star of David, that uh, the Rothschilds championed, and and that that the, the Israel, in all practicality, is a retail criminal outlet for the Rothschild banking usury empire, and so, but before um, they invaded and squatted and stole the natives' home, there were actual Semitic. Uh, Palestinians, uh, you know, uh, Muslims, actual Semitic Christians living there, actual Semitic brown skinned Jews, the real Jews of the region, right? And all three major Abrahamic religions lived in peace. If you look, uh, and it's all over the internet, and if you have an older encyclopedia, you can also find it. it pictures of Palestine in the 1920s and the 1930s. Uh, it was a beautiful place. It was, you know, a modern, uh first world committed. The women dressed like Western women. Everyone lived in peace. You know, they had a thriving agricultural industry because, you know, you can grow olives there and other things really well. And you look at it now, Ken, and I can't, you know, I would wipe every Jew off the, the earth right now for what they've done to those innocent little children. Every day I'm bombarded with, uh, uh, parents h- holding the lifeless bodies of their infant, and that there is no Jew who is not responsible for that. There are no good Jews. There are only the synagogue of Satan, Talmudic parasites, who are mass murdering and innocent people. So l- now let me tell you how I really feel. So anyway, <laughs> anyway your thoughts.
1: Well, if um, I did uh, state in my book, um, probably not in as much detail as I should have. But uh, the Rothschilds back, uh, I believe it was World War I, um, Britain went to the Rothschilds to try to get, because they knew of the Rothschilds influence in the United States, tried to get the Rothschilds to bring the United States into World War One, And uh, so the Rothschilds made a deal with Britain that if the United States could, if the Rothschilds could get the United States into World War I, then Britain would sell the land where Israel currently, currently is located to the Rothschilds. Well, <clears throat> the Rothschilds did get the United States into World War I. Right. Britain followed up on their agreement and sold the land to the Rothschilds. Now, what I didn't state in the book, and I probably should have, uh, if you remember in the news back uh, in October, there was not a lot of publicity about it, but there was a little bit how Israel's land lease for the land that they were occupying, the land which is currently recognized as a nation or as a nation of Israel, the lease was coming up. Well, guess, guess what? Guess who owns that land? The Rothschilds to this day still own the land where Israel is located. They are leasing that land to the so-called nation of Israel. Edmund Rothschild is considered to be the father of Israel. To this day, <coughs> excuse me, his name is on on um, his name and picture, is on Israeli currency. So, you know, it, it's the Rothschild and, and every single prime minister, including from Netanyahu going way on back, has been a member of the global elite, uh, basically a puppet of the Rothschilds and uh, the global elite.
2: So That's so well put. And that ties into... Uh to uh um what just went on this past week with all these uh these satanists these elite child raping child sacrificing child <laughs> torturing sure. for adrenochrome child uh 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 trafficking satanists i mean that that's their big business really and they all met in davos and it seems to me that they really you know a few years ago with the scamdemic Everybody took them seriously, but I don't know. I mean, I don't really follow mainstream media other than I I set up things like Twitter and Facebook as a news aggregator. And it seems like nobody takes the World Economic Forum seriously anymore. Your thoughts?
1: Um, Well, I hope they don't.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I
1: I don't, but I think you're right. Um, I don't really follow the mainstream media much either. But occasionally, particularly when something like Davos comes along, I do pay somewhat attention to it. And of course, the mainstream media, it's still a big deal. It's still important. It's still the future of the world as far as the mainstream media is concerned. But I think the people are waking up to the fact that it it is evil and uh, more and more people are uh, paying less and less attention to organizations such as uh, Davos, Council on Foreign Relations, some of these other organizations. And also in regard to uh, one other comment on Israel, the uh, Star of David is on the uh, flag of Israel. Right. That uh, symbol originated with uh, Mayor Amschel Rothschild back in the 1700s, around 1750 right. or something. It was on a uh, red flag that hung over the uh, door of his money establishment in Hamburg, Germany. Right. And uh, his name originally was Bauer. Bauer the name right. Rothschild came from um, the German Roth, which is red, and Shield or Child. I don't know how you pronounce it in German, which right. means. Um. 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 Uh, Which Which means some uh, shield, right, so right. so he adopted the um, adopted the name Rothschild for this red shield, um which was the star of David. People think today that the star of David is it is a symbol of Judaism. However, this symbol comes from uh, a false prophet, David Alroy, in the fourteenth century. Right. And it was a symbol of false gods. and right, even...
2: Remphen, the symbol of Remphen, right? A, a, yes, a Remfen,
1: yep. yes. False gods, and there are even people today that are in the know that call it a symbol of Satan, which yes, exactly. ultimately is what it is. So the Jews, in worshiping that star of David, are really worshiping God a false, I'm sorry. A false god, which is Satan.
2: That's really, really well put, uh, Ken. <clears throat> and and you know, it's interesting with this whole um, World Economic Forum. Their real agenda, which is obvious to anyone who is not entranced by the lies of the Satanist globalists. Is that they want a one-world religion, which is uh, Satanism, Luciferianism, however you want to describe it. It's a, it's a, it's worshiping the devil, to to put it bluntly. Yes. <laughs> and then they want a one-world government, and they want every human to be chipped like cattle. They want something inside you. That was the whole point of the Scamdemic and the Jubonic Jew job jab. Was doing this illegal, immoral genetic experiment on humans to try and see if at a nanotech (laughs) level you can inject uh, humans with a a self-assembling kind of like hybrid half-living, half-technological chimera that could see if it could assemble itself and function as a little nano-operative and go into the brain and then literally uh, take over people. It sounds like science fiction, but clearly (laughs) if you follow the patent trail, that is what they want. And now that failed miserably. I don't know how much you pay attention to the massive amounts of of deaths of young people, middle-aged people, healthy people, uh, you know, 60 and lower that never would die. But they're now dropping like flies because they took that poisonous, illegal, immoral, experimental genetic injection. And now, Ken, the the one thing that uh, you probably may have noticed or not, but they're starting to create this new fear campaign about Disease X. You know what Disease X is, Ken? Let me tell you. Disease X is another gain-of-function bioweapon, just like they patented SARS-CoV-2 in 2017. And, oh, oh, how did it get out of a, a utterly secure uh, experimental lab? Nothing gets out of those labs yet. Every time it gets out, you want to know why? Because they intentionally release it. And, and they want it to spread. And now they're starting up the, the 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 campaign. This disease X is in in my research is going to be some types of of air, uh, 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 AIDS derivative. You know, it just destroys the immune function. So don't fall for it. It's not it's not organic. This is another synthetic gain of function bioweapon that they are going to release. And I cannot believe that normies haven't held these mass murders like. Uh, Fauci like uh Bill Gates like Albert Borlai, like like uh uh the the Jew who runs um um uh, uh 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 Moderna Stephen, I think it's Stephen uh Benchant or whatever it is but anyway th- these are mass murders that and and even worse they're illegally and immorally experimenting on human beings without their permission and so I don't know Ken your thoughts on this disease x nonsense
1: well uh, stay tuned, folks, because chapter, I believe it's chapter 15 of my book, gets into the whole COVID scam in quite a bit of detail. Um, it was clearly a scam orchestrated by the global elite, um, not only through the vaccine, but um, through the even the, the testing, the PCR test, to, uh, the, the, to poison, to kill Americans. Well, not just Americans, people worldwide. It is estimated that seven million people worldwide have been killed or died as a result of the vaccine or the PCR testing. It's it's world genocide.
2: Yep, absolutely right, Ken. And uh, the other thing I wanted to get your your thoughts on was this whole Donald Trump thing, right? So anybody who's spent, you know, a half hour of, of legitimate research realizes that the Dominion software is so easily hackable that all elections <laughs> are either allowed to happen legitimately or are tweaked to get the results that the globalists want. And and to make that point, shoot, I I, I wish I would have uh, looked up. There There was a, I, an article I read last week where a professor – uh, uh, was giving a demonstration to some political body at some level. I don't remember the details. I was just skimming the article, but he essentially hacked the Dominion voting system with a pencil, and so <laughs> that's how weak it is. And that's how. So where I'm going with all that, Ken, is what is up? Everybody, a half hour research knows that Donald J. Trump. I'm not a fan of Donald Trump in any capacity, but he was reelected in 2020. That's just the bottom line, and yes. and uh, the traitorous pedophile, and and I don't have to say alleged because his own daughter, uh, 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 her diaries were released and vetted, talking about how her sick father would come in the shower and 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 sexually molest her and abuse her, and so she would wait until 3.34 in the morning, according to these diary entries, to go and take a shower to make sure her parents were were asleep. Otherwise, the father would come in and and do it again. And so so this traitorous pedophile um, was installed. In 40 years of him coveting the presidency, he never won one primary. And all of a sudden, this guy's going to get 82 million votes, yet it's only from... uh, 450 counties, whereas the two previously elected uh, officials, uh, presidents rather, Obama in 2012 got uh, you know like 70 some million votes and or 68, and he had like 2300 counties he, that he won, and then Trump in 2016 had more. He had like 72 million votes, and this is off the top of my head. It's not exactly a- accurate, but he won like 2500 counties. So all of a sudden. Uh, little Diddlin' Joe, uh, the senile uh, uh, embarrassment, is, is installed with uh, 82 million votes, yet only 450 counties. I mean, that math doesn't add up. And even worse is uh, Kamala Harris, this weird uh, 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 race misogynist who pretends to be an American black. She, she's not. She's um, Jamaican and some other uh, brown flavor, and yet she, she passes herself off as an American black, which is another lie. And so this is like the, I mean, these Satanists, they like to rub our noses in it. The two people who could never, ever be legitimately elected, Ken, were installed in 2020. So that's a rather long-winded question is like, what's, Trump up to right if he were legitimately a patriot legitimately fighting for the the, the the national sovereignty of this country wouldn't he have done everything including invoking the military to to uh, force either a real counting or force uh, a a, a military run actual uh legitimate election to to save his second term so all of a sudden he goes along with he plays along and he and, and we got all these kibbutz cab- kabuki theaters of these insane uh, Soros, uh, Negroid DAs and and secretaries of state running all these uh, lawsuits against Trump trying desperately to prevent him from running in 2024. Yet he just won Iowa. He just won New Hampshire. So this is, to me, this is all kabuki theater. It's all a setup to install him. But then my crystal ball clouds up. It's like, so Ken, what do you think's going on? I mean, Trump should have just, served his legitimate second term what's all this kabuki theater about in your opinion
1: well let me first of all say uh there's a lot of things about trump that i don't like but i do think that he is america's best hope for the future i do think why why do you believe
2: that why do you say that? well
1: just look at what he did in his first term i mean he is um um did everything he can to try to destroy, to bring down the deep state. And of course the media crucified him for it. Um, This whole January 6th thing, talk about Kabuki theater a sham. That is probably one of the biggest shams that's ever happened in history. Those Mm -hmm. people going to jail did nothing wrong. Probably, you know, true patriots and here they are going to jail. For what they believed in in, and trying to restore the republic uh, to this country. Uh, But I also think that um, there are some things going on in the background that most people, very few people, know about. And Trump is involved in those things. And those are things towards restoring the SARA, which chapter 14 in my book is on the SARA which is, it's an act that was passed back in the 80s when Clinton was president. Mm -hmm. And uh, the purpose of Nassar is to restore the republic, to restore Mm -hmm. the gold standard to the dollar, to get rid of the IRS, get rid of the central bank, the Federal Reserve System, Mm -hmm. restore the country to sound constitutional money. And I do think that Trump is involved in um, that movement. And the military is also involved in that movement. Now, it's, I can't speak with a lot of authority on that, Mm -hmm. because I don't have firsthand sources. But I do know people who have firsthand sources. And so I get even though I get my information uh, on all of this happening behind the scenes, it's information that is coming from, I believe, credible sources. So well, let me um, ask
2: you this then because you have you, 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 you know you're hearing from what you consider to be uh, legitimate sources. How is it that the the, the the military has, you know this began in 8 under Obama where real uh, real patriot military members, real leaders, you know, from their tenants on <laughs> up, were anyone who was loyal to the Constitution and not loyal to the globalist satanic communist takeover, were were, were shown the door. They were forced out, retired. Uh, you know, made, made their lives made a living hell. So the only thing they could do is take their pension and and go. <laughs> and so those people who would be, in my mind, the people who would work with Trump, they're not there anymore. I mean, you've got step and fetch it affirmative action austin in there and and i don't know we can get your thoughts uh, about the uh the dude had some kind of health issue and he didn't even tell the white house about it and all this zaniness so who to me you've got Uh trannies at the elite level of leadership in the pentagon i mean this is a shit show so where's the military leadership that would back trump in this i i don't see it
1: well it's it's underground and um, you're not going to see it. You're not going to see it until it happens. And okay. uh, all we can do, and all I can do, is pray that it happens sometime soon. Mm-hmm. Now yeah, I, do I, have, I do have, I do have quite a bit of information in my book on uh, elections, uh, talking about the 2020 election, and um, quoting some credible people there who know or who report on know for a fact and can report on (coughs) the um, fraud that went on during that election. And um, I also have in there strong suggestions for what the United States or each state as an individual state can do to ensure free and fair elections in the future. But I also make the statement that unless there is serious election reform there will never again be free and fair elections in this country and if that does come to pass we are doomed as a people and as a country now we'll get to that too i don't remember what chapter that is i think that's chapter um, 12 maybe 11 12 somewhere along in there
2: Right, and again, your book the Nation Upside Down—it was a Manhattan phone book as one one physical form. So uh, you and Dave Gahari made the 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 shrewd decision to put it into two books: Part One and Part Two. And if you go to Turning the Tide Publishing, let me take the graphic off. Turning the Tide Publishing you can order Ken's books. And please order both because once you've read part one, you want to continue right on to part two. And so Ken, we've got we've got a lot of uh, new listeners. We're now on another major live streaming platform, Goyam TV. It's an honor to be over on Goyam TV. And so why don't you, you know, kind of give a brief explanation. And uh, and also, I have the uh, PDF ready when you want to go to that. But let's tell everybody what ma- it was. It, it's a, it's a, a, a story of your own fortitude and courage that you're still here, and you, you wrote the book after what happened to you. So tell everybody what happened to you and what led you to write this book.
1: Well, up until about 1999, um, I believed everything was fine with the United States government. I thought the IRS was legitimate thought it was a part of the United States government, just like 99.9% of the people in this country uh, do. Um, I paid my taxes every year, filled out my tax return every year, paid my taxes every year. Then uh, long about, uh, I think it started actually in 1997, they contacted me and said uh, that they did not receive a tax return from 1992. And, uh, of course, I wrote them back and told them that was not true. I did file a tax return. They did acknowledge that um, I filed my quarterly payments uh, during that year. So why would anybody file your, or uh, pay your quarterly payments? Because I'm an independent contractor, so there's no withholding. Why would I pay quarterly payments and then I file the uh, tax return? Well, this came to a head in about the year 2000 when um, they uh, started threatening me with uh, filing liens in the courthouse and taking this and that and all this kind of stuff. Well, I uh, contacted the IRS uh, Taxpayer Advocate uh, Division, talked with them, and their comment to me was, well, just send us your tax return." Well, okay, that sounded like a good idea. I had a copy of the tax return. Uh, even back in 1992, I used computer software to uh, do my taxes on. Back then it was An- Andrew Tobias's tax cut for I any of you that, that uh, uh, remember back in those years, going what 30, 40 years ago, whatever it was. And uh, anyway, I had copies. I uh, keep all of my documentation long beyond the seven years. I have all of that, but I knew just instinctively Mm. that if I mailed in my tax return, and I had just moved to Florida, by the way, uh, moved Mm. to Florida in 1997, um, built a brand new house, 4,500 square foot house, my dream home. I partially designed it. It's gonna live there the rest of my life. Uh And then all of this started happening. Well, I knew that um, if I just sent them the tax return, I knew exactly what they were going to do. They were going to stamp that tax return received the day that they got it in the mail. Uh And therefore, they were going to charge me penalties and interest from going back to 1992. I knew just I knew instinctively that that was going to happen. So I told them. I told the taxpayer advocate, I said, this is exactly what you're going to do. And I'm not going to mail the tax return in. So they arranged a, uh, uh, the IRS has an office down on Columbus Avenue near the uh, Tampa Bay uh, Mm -hmm. football stadium. They arranged for me to go down there and meet with an IRS agent, Stevenson. Said to bring my tax return, bring my documentation and so forth. So I went down at the appointed time was in the small room probably no more than about seven foot by seven foot nothing in the room but a a table with a chair on either side of the table Mm -hmm. our uh, agent stevenson sat on one side of the table i sat on the other side I showed him my tax return he looked at it then he began asking for documentation every piece of documentation that he asked for i had a large cardboard box with me I pulled it out of the cardboard box handed it to them showed it to them mm-hmm. now i had been warned before i went into this meeting by several people who were in the know as far as the fraud of the irs which i still really wasn't fully aware of. i still no. really didn't know but they told me if they want to make copies of a few things that's fine but don't make them let co- don't let them make copies of everything so i hand them one of my documents and uh the agent had a a manila folder uh, open in front of him with a few sheets of his papers and his own documents whatever they were i don't know they were upside down so he would take my document he would say i want to make a copy of this and uh, so he would put it in his folder face down and then he'd ask for another document and He said, well, after looking at it, well, I want to make a copy of this. And after about three documents, putting them in his folder face down, I reached over, pulled my documents out and set them on a separate part of blank, just a blank part of the table. And I said, I want to keep my papers separate from yours. I want to make sure I get them back. Well, after a little while, he took them off the table, put them back in his folder, and he continued to take every document that I showed him, put it in his folder. And I would reach over, take the documents out, put them in a blank part of the table to keep them separate from his. And I told him, I want to keep these separate, and I'm not going to let you make copies of everything. Well, he kept doing that even after that final warning. And so finally, I took my documents, took them out of his folder, took what I had on the table, put them back in the box, and I looked him square in the eye and said, this meeting is over. I knew exactly what he was going to do. He was going to take those documents out of the room, ostensibly to make copies of them. He was going to keep certain documents, and give back to me what he wanted, and therefore I would not have documentation of certain deductions that I took. And therefore, they would disallow those deductions and be able to charge me penalties and interest on the higher tax that I would have had to pay. (laughs) So... Um, I stood up. I'm ready to walk out. He says, you can't do that. And I said, just watch me. And he stammered and stammered and and hummed and hawed and so forth. He said, I'm going to go get my supervisor. So he went to get, I said, okay, fine. So he went to get a supervisor. The supervisor came in, and I told the supervisor exactly what I thought they were going to do. And I said, this interview is over. I am leaving, and there's nothing you can do about it. Packed up my stuff, walked out the door, and never looked back. Um, After that, I found out that IRS agents are paid commission on all of the income tax that they are able to collect above and beyond what would normally be the amount of tax that was owed. So this guy was just trying to uh, steal documents from me, claim I never had documentation for these particular uh, deductions, and he would get a higher commission on that. Subsequent to that, the IRS placed filed uh, uh, liens in the courthouse against me they emptied out every bank account i had which i subsequently found out is illegal they cannot do that that's against their own internal revenue manual which i subsequently got a copy of you can look it up in the IR manual yourself they can't do it but they did it anyway they even took not only emptied out my bank accounts they took some of my stocks securities left me with virtually nothing and um, that uh, I ended up losing my house, my family basically everything that I had you know because of the IRS. Even the company I was working for at the time <clears throat> now I'm a straight commission salesman they wrote to the company and told the company I was working for send us 100% of Ken Carter's commissioned earnings well, they can't do that either. No, that's illegal. They can
2: only take, I think, first a maximum of 1st of all, a levy
1: right? is only valid on gov- um, employees of the United States government. And secondly, a levy is limited to 10% of whatever they're trying to levy on. But they said 100%. So I called the IRS. I said, you can't do this. What am I going to live off of? Here, I just moved in this 4,500-square-foot house. I had two sons still in high school. My daughter was already in college. So uh-huh. <clears throat> she was gone from the home. And so they told my company, okay, you can give him $200 out of um, uh, 200. his commission. <laughs> well, I uh, that's about the time I got hooked up with my mentor, guy by the name of John Jennings. I dedicated my book to John. John is just an old country guy, uh, but what a brilliant mind. He only had an eighth grade education. Um, That's as far as he went in school, but a brilliant mind. He had studied the law, or been studying law for many, many years, in particular the IRS. Uh Uh-oh. Sorry. Are are we on a break now?
2: No, no, no. That was a...
1: Uh, Uh, He uh, took me me under his wing and uh, began to teach me the law, teach me how to uh, uh, cope with all of this. So I contacted the company I was working for at the time. I told him, if you give all my money to the IRS, that you are guilty of theft, and I will sue you for theft. And that was tough to do because I was a personal friend of the president of the company and other officers and many employees in the company. So it, was, it wasn't just a work relationship. It was also a friendship relationship as sure. well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he contacted an attorney. The company was located in Pinellas County, Florida. He contacted an attorney, and the attorney told him to file an interpleader with the, uh, the court. And basically, what an interpleader is, is you send the money that's in dispute, which was all my commission earnings that hadn't been paid to me to that point, to the court, and you ask the court to settle this dispute. Uh, all right, well, that was all well and good. But now the court had my money, and I just assumed that they were going to automatically send it to the IRS. Well, it wasn't until about a month, six weeks later, I was over at my mentor's house, John Jennings' house, and somehow or another, the fact that this interpleader had been filed and that they had sent my my money to the court, um, and uh, I just mentioned to him, well, the IRS has it now, and there's nothing I can do about it. And John said, oh, the money's still at the court. I said, well, what do you mean? He's still at the court. And I said, you mean they haven't sent it to the IRS? He said, no, it's still at the court. This was on a Friday afternoon. He said, go on over to the court on Monday morning. Go into the clerk's office and ask them where the money is. So I went over to the clerk of the court's office that Monday morning. I uh, gave him the case number, asked him where the money was. The money was with the court. So John helped me write. a writ of Replevin, which is basically asking the court to give me my money back. Well, guess what? The IRS did not answer the writ of Replevin. They have 20 days to answer. If they don't answer, they are in default. And um, they didn't answer, so I was I'm sorry, before the writ of Replevin, I had to file a a reply to the interpleader. They didn't answer the interpleader. So then I filed a writ of Replevin to the court to get my money back. Now, John, one of the great things about John as a mentor, he would show me how to do something, but he would not do it for me. Uh, So it took me three tries on a writ of Replevin um with the court finally on the third try i guess i got it right because Uh, the judge ordered that the money be released to me so i did get that money back um and anyway that's what began my um journey uh towards writing this book um john jennings mentored me uh for a number of years um, unfortunately, John passed away right at the time that I was beginning to write the book. Um, I really hoped to get a little more input from him, but the amount of information that I did learn from him was significant, was just unbelievable. Wow. And uh, that led to uh, uh, further research and it culminated in the writing of this book. Very, very high, heavy price to pay. I lost my house. I lost my right. family. Lost virtually everything that I had. Um, it's and it. The book was 15 years in writing. The amount of research of and then that has when gone you into David this Hari. book. You talk about blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, it was uh, just a very, very daunting experience. But one thing I will say about the book, if you haven't already gotten it, you haven't read it yet, or whatever. It is truth. Read my preference. There is over 1,000 footnotes documenting everything that I state in this book. It is truth. It is not fiction. It is not disinformation. It is not whatever the deep state might want to call it. So you were in for a tremendous education. And a few of my friends that have gotten the book and have read it um, I've asked them for their their response, and the response is one of disbelief. <laughs> I mean, they hardly can believe it. Um, in fact, some one or two of them still are convinced that it's that it's truth. And I just say, okay, look up the sources. Just look at the footnotes. Look at the sources. So that's basically how this came into being. Sorry, was, was probably a little long winded there, uh, Giuseppe. No, no, that but, was an
2: excellent explanation. Uh, that's exactly that's it. what we needed. What, what's amazing to me, Ken, is not only did you put 15 years in, but then you went to Dave Gahari and his uh, Turning the Tide Publishing, and Dave is a tenacious, uh, skilled copy editor, so he, when he vetted everything you've written, and so there's not one. Uh, Giuseppe, thing.
1: I can't hear you for some reason.
2: Oh, okay. Oh, I had muted myself to cough. Okay, oh, there, so there we are.
1: <laughs> there we are.
2: So that uh, I had muted myself to cough and, and uh but what I was gonna say, Ken, is is not only did you put fifteen years after living that hellish tale into writing the book, but then you went to Dave Gahari, who is a tenacious, skilled uh uh dot every I cross every T copy editor who knows that if you can't have a, a, a source for every claim, you're going to get sued. And so he vetted your entire book for, I mean, you know, a long time. You guys worked together. And so that's literally true now. It's not only your your 15 years of research, but then Dave vetted your research. And so this, this literally there's nothing in that book that doesn't have a provable footnote.
1: So even some of the links in the book. Um, which are links to a source on the internet. He personally checked every single one of those links. There you go. <laughs> and the only problem with that is um, a lot of these sites, when the deep state finds out about it, they're going to try to bring that down. So right, there were a couple of times a link did no longer work. So I would have, but I also know that when a link no longer works, that they will typically find another place on the internet to put it. So I was able to find alternative links. And hopefully those links still work. But I do make a statement at the end of the book that all of the links worked at the time of publishing. If you try a link, Put it into uh, you know, DuckDuckGo or Google or whatever you use. If you, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't take you to that particular source. Take some keywords um, from what I am quoting in my book and do a search on the keywords or the title or the author. And nine times out of 10, maybe even more, you'll be able to find that information. It's just been moved to a different location
2: on the net there you go that's that's uh really good well we've reached the uh the top of the hour so we'll let's uh take a little break and we'll play a clip let's see what do i want to play um oh this this is good one let's do to victory white man ken you can take a little break and and then for hour 2 we'll begin our our continuing deep dive into your brilliant masterwork a nation upside down so stay tuned for hour 2 after this clip to victory white man
1: the rising frequency of anarchist and communist violence in the streets can lead in only one direction discontent and a rising white proclivity toward violence on their own behalf. The time for talk has long since passed, as has the time of intellectualism. Action is what is needed most in these trying times, and that action must be driven towards our white revolution. Do not get
0: bogged down with the nostalgia for days gone by. Instead, channel that nostalgia into action bring about that glorious world that could have been through revolutionary action. It is an honor that we should live in such times that the existence of our people rests upon our shoulders
2: is the most supreme of gifts. Times like these are what birth heroes. The moment you feel any fear or doubt, strike it from your heart. Understand that. If it is not us, it will be no one embrace the chaos and from its ashes a new world shall rise
0: beautiful and pure to victory white man
2: Welcome back to hour number two of the Sane Asylum, Hump Day Wednesdays. It's truly an honor to have author Ken Carter. His masterwork is, let me bring that back up. There it is, A Nation Upside Down, uh, From Sovereignty to Serfdom, Enslaving of the People. And Ken just told the uh, the bittersweet story of his uh, triumph of the spirit to get this book read after a corrupt uh Statist IRS uh, had just destroyed his life for no reason other than uh, perhaps uh, a commission. And If that's the case, that's so despicable, Ken. I, I can't even I can't even begin to a uh, rant. But that you know that's the nature of the world when when Satanists control all the levers of power, and so that's what we need to change. And you know ultimately we're not going to vote our way out of this. It's up to us. And especially the young, the young whites in uh, Goyam TV and and, and Odyssey and, and and some of these alternative media platforms. It's up to us to take back our lives, to create a country, and and I don't know exactly how we, we need divine help as well, but we have yeah. to do it because the the not. Succeeding means we will have a one-world satanic government where uh, these parasites can can sodomize and fornicate with three-year-olds and four-year-olds, and you know what? That is just not acceptable at any point, ever. And so uh, they they must be wiped off the earth. I mean, I can't even imagine the sickness of an individual who wants to sodomize a three-year-old boy or girl. I mean, it's just beyond the pale, Ken, to me.
1: Absolutely. You know, I should add one thing to um, my experience. Um, The IRS is not a part of the federal government. That is proved in the book. Right. Um, They are a collection agency for the Federal Reserve Bank. Ronald Reagan commissioned the Grace Commission report. Grace Commission reported that not one nickel of your federal income tax dollars goes to the federal government. Goes to the uh, Federal Reserve to pay the interest on the national debt. Uh, that's, yeah, that's detailed really in the book. Yeah, we're, we're getting to those we haven't gotten there yet. But uh, I have not been in the tax system since the IRS picked on me, not filed income taxes since 1999 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no law, and I proved that also in the book, that requires any american to pay federal income taxes no law whatsoever the irs has never taken me to court they have hounded me year after year up until about three years ago with letters i know how to answer the letters markham refused for fraud but without prejudice write an answer to it send it back to them they haven't taken me to court because they know that what I know will be revealed in court and they don't want that general knowledge given to the public. Now, having said that, please, please do not stop filing federal income taxes unless you know what you are doing because you will go to jail. So uh, now if you educate yourself and learn, then yes, you can, but make sure you know what you are doing.
2: That is a great caveat, Ken, because there's a lot of grifters who are trying to make a cottage industry out of don't pay your taxes, pay me a couple thousand dollars, I'll show you how to do it. And then they they, they don't know what they're doing and you're left holding the bag, which is full of feces when they come and kick your door in. And and so that's number one that you got to really vet who your source is because there's a lot of grifters uh, that aren't they 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 are not legit. And secondly, Ken, what what's your take on this? Like, I know personally know people who have not paid their taxes in forty years, thirty years. The, the IRS just ignores them right and then you got somebody like the black actor uh Wesley Snipes who was huge in the 90s and he got involved with one of these grifters who told him you don't have to do it and next thing you know Wesley Snipes his coffers are cleaned out and he's doing three years in federal penitentiary and, and uh, always bet black and so uh, um so why is it that I mean, my opinion is they made an example of him because he was a celebrity, but why is it the IRS ignores some people and just drops the hammer on others?
1: Not really sure, um, other than to make an example. On the last show back in December, uh, I told the story of a well-known Christian musician who... uh, uh, Many, many, many recordings. He's won Dove Awards and all this kind of stuff. Um, how the uh, Criminal Investigation Division broke into his house. He was in the shower, 357 Magnum over the top of, of the shower. Um, he ended up spending a year in jail. And this is a Christian ministry, a one three c Corporation, which is not supposed to be liable for income taxes. But they ended up saying or their position was that um, his sale of his CDs and music was not part of the ministry, that that was outside the ministry. Anyway, um, I think the only thing I can think of is to make an occasional example, particularly of a well known person. Now, another thing I will say, you can never, ever, ever hire an attorney to represent you in court against the irs never the uh we'll get into chapter 10 gets into how the bar association is owned by the uh, Rothschilds out of the city of london mm-hmm. and all of the sub bar associations including the uh, united states and the, and the um, florida bar and california bar the local bar associations they all um, pledge an oath to a foreign power, the Bar Association, when they become licensed as a bar attorney, they owe their allegiance to the bar owned by the Rothschilds and therefore they are obligated to the IRS. They can will never represent you fairly against the IRS. You will not win. Occasionally someone may win because the courts just decide well, this is a poor schmuck, you know, let we'll let him win for appearance sake to make people think, yeah, this is fair and, and just and so forth. But you, you'll never be able to hire an attorney to represent you against the IRS.
2: And yet, I don't know, uh, uh, sometimes on the weekends when uh, my mind is weary from doing all this and uh uh, yeah, I wouldn't have cable TV, but it's actually cheaper with uh, Verizon to have high-speed internet and cable than it is to have high-speed internet alone, right? Because yeah, they're looking yeah. to, to keep numbers. And so sometimes yeah. on the weekends, I'll chan scan late night when my just to see what kind of lunacy. And it's amazing how many commercials there are. Again and again, having trouble with the IRS. Contact us. We're not attorneys, but we can, you know, I mean, everybody's got a scam to try and make money off helping you not get screwed by the IRS. It's unbelievable to me.
1: And you know what? They all work for the IRS, particularly if they are what they call themselves an enrolled agent. They're an employee of the IRS. Oh, wow. There you go. So don't think they're going to help you.
2: Yeah, there you go. Well, Ken, um, you wanted to uh, 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 sh- uh, uh, display and discuss the a PDF about the White House. Did you want to do that before we started yeah, on let's, Chapter 7? Yeah,
1: or let's three? do that. I may mention on a previous show, We, you know, previous chapters, we talked about how the United States government is a corporation. And that's that's been since the Act of 1871, replaced by the Act of 1874, replaced by the Act of 1878. In the past, the uh, corporations have been the United States of America Incorporated, United States Incorporated, all capital letters, USA Incorporated, various iterations of United States or US or whatever. Well, those corporations are all bankrupt. So the latest corporation, which by the way, has only been around for a couple of years now, but it's already bankrupt. The latest iteration is the White House Office Incorporated.
2: So, hey, explain where, the, where, 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 where this is came from.
1: All right, <clears throat> what I this is from? Uh, scroll to the next page, okay. If you got the next page there, Down there. Broad
2: Street. Wow. Okay. Done and
1: Broad Street. That's there's not much information on that page, but I did want to show in Brad Bradstreet, and you can look this up yourself on Dun & Bradstreet. Wow. Now, I wish I could say I discovered this. I didn't. Somebody I was listening to reading or listening to some show or something, and somebody else pointed this out, and I went and looked it up because it sounds so ludicrous, the White House Office, Inc. But if you look down there, uh, Joseph R. Biden, is Junior. the key principle. Key
2: principle,
1: yeah. And if you go on further in the, the corp- looking up the corporate docs, you'll see Kamala Harris. Uh, I don't think I have that much on there. But uh, scroll back up to the first page because of what I also wanted to point out here, highlighted in yellow, uh, is part of the executive, legislative, and other general um
2: government support industry. government
1: support now back when we first were going through the chapter on the uh, government of the united states being a right. corporation the right, de right. facto versus the de jure government right yeah yeah pointed out how congress um um adjourned sine day uh <clears throat> After March twenty March twenty-seventh, eighteen sixty one is when the southern states walked out of Congress. And that is officially when the Republic ended. Congress adjourned sine day, which adjourn means without day. Um, and if a date is not set to readjourn, time and date set to readjourn, it dissolves the body. Con- mm-hmm. The Congress was dissolved as a constitutional body at that time. Lincoln called Congress back into session several months later under his authority um, as commander in chief of the now military government under the executive branch of the government back in that chapter. I pointed out how Congress today is irrelevant. The president is essentially a dictator who rules by executive order. Congress sits in the alleged, in the executive branch of government under the president. For more details on that, go back and read the earlier chapter.
2: Right but on, this, absolutely. Go ahead, sorry.
1: This proves right here that um, the um, White House Inc. is the executive and legislative branch of the corporate federal government. Congress, we no longer have three branches of government. Well, we, we don't haven't since it became a corporation anyway, but this is just clearly demonstrating that Congress, the so-called legislative branch, fits under the authority of the president in the executive branch.
2: And Ken, uh, one of the savvy chatters in the Odyssey uh, stream, and shout out to all the chatters in Rumble Odyssey and Goyam TV, a fellow named the noticing. Seeing, observes states and all towns are just registered corps too. so does that mean that even even at the local level now they're all playing this game where they're they' they're, they're secretly corporations that's very disturbing to me.
1: Yes it is. everything from your state all state governments are corporations. I do get into this later in the book um, they are the uh, state constitutions have been replaced. Uh, by a new corporate charter, which in many cases mirrors, closely mirrors, the former state constitutions. And it all gets back to the zip codes as well. The zip codes establish federal territories, which overlay the du jour states of the original republic. And uh, those are federal territories. So what has happened is, the federal government is a corporation. It is um, uh, and and has really authority over all of the zip codes or federal um, territories in the United States. So the states are no longer republics themselves. They're no longer autonomous. They are corporations. They are. Autonomous only to the extent that they are a separate corporation from the federal corporate government.
2: Wow. Again, Ken's book, 15 Years Masterwork, vetted by the brilliant Dave Gahari, everything has been vetted as true and so go to Turning the Tide Publishing, Standard Spelling, Turning the Tide Publishing, no spaces, no underscores, and order these two books. And it's like it's literally like like a, a master's degree. I mean, you spent fifteen years, and and the it's not a difficult read. I mean, it, it's dense, especially because you footnote it so well. And I'm one of those readers where I like to then go look at every footnote and 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 ponder the source on So it takes you a while if you really want to digest it all. But it's so well done, Ken. I mean, it's just uh, – so I urge everyone to go and and pick up these two brilliant chapters of your masterwork, A Nation Upside Down. So where tell we you, left off, Ken,
1: is Chapter 7. I have to tell you what. I have um, three college degrees, eight years altogether in college. There's more work involved in writing this book and all of my three degrees combined.
2: Uh, I believe that for sure. Um, One other
1: comment before we do get into Chapter 7. Last show we talked about democracy uh, versus republic. And uh, after the show was just a little bit um, remiss in that maybe I wasn't as clear on the difference as I should have been, mm-hmm. uh, what we have today is a democracy. One our public officials call it a democracy, yeah, it is a democracy. That is not the government that our founding fathers gave us. Right, that is exactly. not the government of the con- de jure constitution or the United States of America. That government is a republic. And the difference between the two is primarily gets down to that in a democracy, people elect an individual to represent them. The citizen then who elected that individual to represent them becomes a constituent. And Bouvier's Law Dictionary, and I quote this in the book, it states the constituent is bound with whatever his attorney in quotes, elected official, does by virtue of his authority. In other words, in a democracy, when you elect that man to office, whether it be president, senator, governor, uh, dog catcher, you are bound, your sovereignty devolves on that elected individual. You are no longer sovereign, and you are bound by whatever that elected official does in office. You give your sovereignty up to that elected official. Karl Marx himself stated, democracy is the road to socialism and socialism leads to communism. Those are direct quotes. Vladimir Lenin stated, democracy is indispensable to socialism. Now in a republic, We do elect officials, but in electing that official, the people retain their sovereignty. That elected official is answerable to the people for whatever he does in office. And he can easily be removed from office by the people if the people do not like what he is doing in office. In a democracy, it ain't so easy to remove that elected official. So that's primarily the difference. In a republic, people are truly sovereign over their government, their elected officials. In a democracy, the government, the elected officials, are sovereign over the people. Right. I, I cringe. Think I cringe every time I hear one of our elected officials uh, refer to this as a democracy because they're just. Proving to the American people that this is not the republic of our founding fathers
2: excellent points and i I think one key point that needs to be made is that when you know Hitler in his rise to power with national socialism and the german economic miracle there socialism, especially when created by the the German intellectuals of the late. Uh, I don't know if it was the 18th or 19th century, but um, you know, if you have a high trust society, socialism can be an effective means of government. It was certainly effective in uh, Germany, which was a high trust society. But the socialism since then is a pseudonym for communism there is you know there they they call it now socialism but the the democracy that's all a sham i mean there are no high trust society there is no uh uh you know uh, a black only or a white only country that has enough intellectual mature citizens to partake i mean ultimately the german model would be an ideal form of government but but It was crushed by the communist usury banking Jews of the Rothschild uh, Army. So, I mean, to me, the key point is there is no socialism anymore. There's only communism. Your thoughts?
1: Well, as and I quote her in the book, as Anne Rand stated, and I have the quote in my book somewhere, um, socialism, fascism, communism are all the same thing. There is no difference.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, It's a... uh, a myth um, in society today that socialism is far left, fascism is far right. I don't know where they get that from. That that is just another nothing but a myth. They're both well, it's socialistic in nature. It's fascinating. I should say.
2: That is a great point, and it's fascinating that in our lifetimes we've seen these satanic globalists psyop and mind control the 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 sheep or the normies to the point where when you and I were in our teens and twenties, being a a a a a liberal or a progressive meant you were anti-corporation, anti-war, anti-big business, anti. Uh, a a rich parasite, right? And now they've shifted it. So if you're a Democrat today, you are for totalitarian injection of every human. You are for government control of everything. You are for war. It's absurd. I mean, literally, yeah. we in our own lifetime we've seen the sheeple be 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 their 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 whole worldview flipped just by mind control it, it's just absurd to me
1: exactly yes no question right. about it yeah
2: there's no doubt about it all right so we'll start out chapter seven it's called corporatism also known as socialism fascism in america and that that's cool i forgot with this chapter that you quoted uh my friend adrian salbucci who wrote in 2018 the coming world government and, and Adrian was on several shows a couple of years ago, but he's had some health issues, so I hope Adrian's feeling better. I'll have to reach out to him and see if he can if he's feeling better to come back on. But here's Adrian's quote. Democracy, and he's a very insightful, soft spoken fella. He's a real real thinker. Democracy and capitalism are systems of consciousness. People do not realize this, but Their minds are determined by these systems. I guess I just pointed that out. This is why democracy and the current elite-controlled capitalism represent a totalitarian regime. Totalitarianism means total control of society. Never has there been totalitarianism as strong... As we have today, the totalitarianism of the democratic and capitalist system is so sophisticated that even our desires are determined by the system. We desire that which society wishes we desire, and that has never been more true for the sheeple. I mean, unbelievable yes. to me. What a great quote to start the uh, the chapter, Ken.
1: Yes. Adrian, uh, I didn't know that you know him, but he's uh, he's a great man.
2: <laughs> he is, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a, he's a friend, and I've had had him on about four or five times about three four years ago, and then he had some health issues, so I, I haven't reached out to him since last year. I have to try again. I hope he's feeling better. All right. So the first, the opening paragraph: The U.S. government, since the war between the states, has been a a corporate instrument of the international bankers. Controlled since 1913 by the privately owned Federal Reserve, or or as you write, the Fed. The people have been blindly led by the beguiling music of the Pied Piper down a primrose path to serfdom. Their vision veiled by a sinister deception, perhaps unparalleled in the history of man. The bankers, politicians, and the U.S. government have artfully and skillfully played Americans as fools. That is so true. All right, so that's... Let's turn the page. Unknowingly, the people are owned by the corporation from birth to death. The corporate in capital, United States, holds ownership of all citizens' assets, property, and children. Hard to believe or imagine? Think about that deed in the house or land that you, in quotes, own. You accepted transfer of the property by warranty deed. And then in the footnote, you say a warranty deed is only color of title. Would you like to explain that?
1: Yeah. Um, true ownership back in the days uh, before the Civil War or the war between the states, uh, I still call it the Civil War and I shouldn't, <laughs> war between the states or the war of Northern aggression, is a low title. When people took title to property, it was in A Allodial title means that there can be no encumbrances upon that land. Property taxes, real estate taxes, nobody can take that land or encroach upon that land that you hold in allodium. The so warranty title is uh, simply a fraudulent attempt at what used to be a legal title, it's simply color of title.
2: And that's a great point uh, addressing uh, Adrian's brilliant quote. So, so now, I mean, this is totalitarianism. This is the the state t- letting you believe you you own it, but all you really do is you, you're able to sell it, buy and sell it, and if you're lucky, when you sell the property, you make a little profit. You never actually own it.
1: Right. And then the book goes on to talk about, you take, take title today by joint tenants, tenants in common, tenants by right. the entireties, or some form thereof, or fee simple. Well, what is a tenant? Tenant is someone who's basically leasing the land What do you, or in the house. What What do you think your real estate taxes are for every year? You pay That's it to exactly, the state. Yeah. That's yep. your rent for the property that you think your own. Uh, fee title, or fee simple title, fee comes from the word feudal. What does the word that goes back to uh, feudal comes from the word fife or fiefdom back in the days of the kings and the serfs. The serfs didn't own any land, the king owned the land. Uh, the serfs were simply uh, occupying land and in return for occupying the land and raising crops or cattle or whatever, they had to give a portion of whatever their yield was in crops, cattle, or other animals uh, to the king. So uh, you do not own the property. I don't care if you paid cash for the property. You do not own the property that you think you own. And what happens if you fail to pay your real estate taxes there on the you property? Go. Guess what? They're going to come and take your property from you. Yep. <laughs> so, um, of course, mortgage, well, that's a different story because the bank has a lien on the property then. But right. talking about even if you have paid cash for your home, uh, don't pay the real estate taxes. I buy home. You're evicted. You're gone. And yep. you no longer have the home. Uh, same with the, um, your automobile. Think you own your car? A few years ago, I bought a new car, paid cash for it. Um, but guess what? Uh, when it, it was a new car, when a new car is delivered to a dealership, it has a manufacturer's statement of origin attached to that automobile. That is the allodial title. So what does the dealer do? The dealer sends the manufacturer's statement of origin, the MSO, to the state, who then issues a certificate of title. Now, uh, I need to read to you here from the book. It says um, in a footnote, um, where is it, Barron's Dictionary of Banking Terms defines certificate as a paper establishing an ownership claim. So, when the state issues that certificate of title, guess what? They're just as much an owner of that automobile as you are. So, you don't own that automobile. If the state decides they want to take it away from you, they can. And, uh, in fact, in another one of the, uh, I'll just read this to Senate document 4373rd Congress First session. uh, 1933, the ultimate ownership of all property is in the state. Individual so-called ownership is only by virtue of government, i.e. law amounting to mere user and use must be in accordance with law and subordinate to the necessities of the state. Also, Franklin D. Roosevelt, 1933, all property of this country now belongs to the state and will be used for the good of the state. So we don't own anything. We think we do. We have the right to use it. And as long as we don't violate any laws or, you know, get out of order or whatever, the state lets us keep on thinking that we own it.
2: What a sad but true observation. And then it it gets worse in in your book on page 188. You go, a marriage license? Really? We need permission from the government to get married? Look up the history of the marriage license. You will be surprised. Marriage is a God-given, unalienable right, a holy sacrament of the church established and ordained by God in the beginning of time antecedent to all laws and governments. The people have the right to freely marry without government Intrusion or interference, and take the driver's license for example. The people of the have a constitutional right to travel liberty by locomotion freely for non-commercial purposes along the public highways and byways without hindrance or restriction. And that's uh, 1923. Nope, I take that back. That's uh, that's that's footnote eight. Footnote nine is uh um uh let's see that that footnote says.
1: Personal liberty largely consists of the right of locomotion. There you go. Yep, yep. So the right to travel is an unalienable right. Right. It's right. It should be spelled out in the Bill of Rights, but it was so plain to the founding fathers that it didn't need to be spelled out in the Bill of Rights. The right to marry, that's a sacrament of God. And yep. notice what I said about marriage certificate. What does a certificate do? just read the definition to you, it conveys an ownership interest. So when you are married with a marriage certificate, the state becomes a third party to that marriage. That's what gives DCF its authority over the children in the marriage. So, and also when a, a pastor or a minister performs a marriage ceremony where you have gotten a marriage certificate, he is performing it under his authority um, under the state and not under his authority as a minister or a pastor of God. So back in the days before uh, the war between the states, the the only reason for a marriage license, marriage certificate back in those days was it was actually illegal at the time for couples of different races to marry. So therefore, they had to get permission from the state to marry, hence the marriage certificate, marriage license. Um, then when the state discovered, hey, we're may- we can make some money off of it, right. or they just decided to keep make it a requirement for all people. But in reality, it, it's... You don't have to get married. You do not have to have a marriage license, marriage certificate, to get married. Um, there are, uh, in in fact, marriages prior to the war between the states were simply recorded in family bibles or other documents uh, that the family had and passed down from generation to generation. Even today, uh, you can go online and in search there are forms that you can download um, uh, which um, um, convey with, which um, signify a marriage between two individuals which you and your spouse sign you have the pastor minister sign the state's not involved in it at all you can have that recorded in the courthouse uh, don't have to but you could have it recorded public records as an official document proving your marriage you don't need a marriage license to be married that's just a bunch of hogwash another revenueing revenue raising scheme from the global elite the deep state
2: or worse than just that it's the indoctrination and you make the brilliant point uh on page uh, 190 through 192, that the Americans are being indoctrinated into believing that uh, their their rights, like the right of non-commercial locomotion, is not an unalienable right, but it's a privilege. So elaborate on on this this mo- this psyop, this mind control yeah. that the state is is allowing us these privileges. That's that's bullshit.
1: Yeah. Well, in the de facto corporate government, there are no rights. Yeah, You know, I think I mentioned this in a previous show, but you go into court and um, you uh, try pleading your rights under the Bill of Rights of the Constitution of the United States of America. Guarantee the judge will ignore that statement. And you say it a second time, maybe even a third time, eh, that judge will ignore it. But if you say it the third or fourth time, whatever, I guarantee you that judge will threaten to hold you in contempt of court. If yeah. you plead your rights under the Constitution or under the Bill of Rights, threaten to hold you in contempt of court and throw you in jail. I've seen it, I've heard it happen, and it just proof that we have no rights in the de facto government. They're merely privileges. And by the way, in the right to travel, I have researched, I quote a number of the court cases in the book probably a dozen or so, eight or 10 or 12, I don't remember, but they're there on the footnotes. But um, there are over 40 court cases that I researched and all, just didn't have room to include them all in the book, uh, affirming the unalienable right of the people to travel by locomotion. Now, caveat, don't call your automobile a motor vehicle. Um, because let me see if I can find that here in the book real quick. Um, Well, without taking the time to look for it. Under the Motor Vehicle Act, a motor vehicle is defined as a commercial vehicle. Now you have the right to freely travel by locomotion for non commercial purposes. If you are driving, or using a motor vehicle you are using it for commercial purposes mm-hmm. and the state does have the right whether it's just jure or de facto the state does have the right to regulate the use of travel for commercial purposes so mm-hmm. don't be confused by that but the right of lo- locomotion that's an unalienable right since the dawn of time so and should we refer 40- to Over 40 court cases cases, um, uh, just prove the fact that the right by by locomotion is an unalienable right.
2: Excellent. And, And, man, you really lay it out right now at the end of 191. The American people have unwittingly allowed the creation of a behemoth bureaucracy in a corporate government. Filled with employees whose sole sense of self-worth comes from a trivial title bestowed upon them by fellow bureaucrats. The bureaucrats choose to abuse their position by assuming power that subjugates an unwary public rather than exhibiting the humility that serves the rightful master, the people. They wield their assumed power for their own self-aggrandizement to further their political advancement and to validate their self-deprecating existence. They (laughs) serve self-interest and government, not the people that government was created to serve. Above all, government serves itself in order to advance political ambitions and careers, all in the name of greed and the lust for power. Corporate governments have become Not the guardian of our rights, the protector of our liberty, and the servant of the the people, but the adversary of the people. That is so true. It has become the voice of an elitist minority imposing its will on a silent majority. Nowhere is this more evident than in our, court of law. As Larkin Rose so succinctly put it, you can romanticize about checks and balances, due process of law, and lady justice wearing that blindfold. The government looks out for itself and no one else. If your interests ha- <clears throat> excuse me, if your <coughs> interests happen to coincide with the interests of those in power, you're in luck. If not, too bad for you. If you think there is any politician or high-ranking bureaucratic. Bureaucrat who would even hesitate to destroy your life, if it would maintain or increase his power. You're living in la la land. Fairness, law, justice. Are you kidding, man? Ken, your thoughts on that? That is so true.
1: Uh, Larkin Rose, by the way, great patriot. <clears throat> um, he uh, did a lot of research on the uh, IRS. The truth about the IRS and uh, wrote about it quite extensively. Not, well, there are several books that he did, but a lot of his writing was just in articles or emails sent out to, to people. And um, he paid a high price. The IRS went after him and he ended up spending several years in jail. I think right. three or four years, I don't remember exactly. Uh, my heart broke for him at the time, he had wife and kids, and um, that he did nothing wrong. He told the truth, uh, a great patriot. I do uh, have some of the books that he wrote here. Um, if you want, really want to learn more of the truth of the IRS, get his books and read one or two, read, read his books. And I'll also, I also want to go back and say one thing more about privileges I should have mentioned a minute ago. Sure. And um, the uh, du jour government of the republic, Uh, we have unalienable rights. In the de facto corporate government, we have no rights. We only have privileges. And those privileges, and here's the point I want to emphasize, they can be taken away from you at any time, for any reason, at the whim of any government official. And regarding what uh, uh, Giuseppe just read, How many times have you gone into, I don't care, DMV, uh, clerk of the court, uh, some other government office, uh, maybe to get a passport or even to get a marriage license or whatever. And uh, how friendly, how helpful is that government official behind the desk? Yeah, some of them are. Some of them, I, I, I have run into some that are truly there to serve and help the people. But by far the vast majority of them act like um, you're imposing upon their time to do something for you, which is what they're there to be doing in the first yep. place. Absolutely. So, uh, well, anyway.
2: So, let's continue on at the bottom of 192. We, the people, in quotes, have abdicated our rightful position of power, authority, and the right to rule. In favor of socialism, a false security, and big government. The people have allowed corporate government to usurp a position of big brother over a helpless citizenry that is incapable of managing their own affairs. To put it bluntly, it seems the citizens want the government to take care of them. That is pathetic but true. So, new paragraph. Such thinking is abhorrent to the Constitution. The principles the South fought for and the forgotten legacy that our forefathers have passed down through the generations. In the words of Michael Bednarik in his book, Good to be King, the paternalistic attitude that governments know best and that you are merely a helpless child is insulting and reprehensible. Hitler used the same attitude to persuade the Germans to subjugate themselves to the fatherland. I don't know if I totally agree with that observation, but, uh, (laughs) Thomas Jefferson astutely expressed this same sentiment years ago in a letter to Thomas Cooper in November 29, 1802. I predict future happiness for Americans if they can prevent the government from wasting the labors of the people under the pretense of taking care of them. There you go, right there.
1: I'll tell you, our founding fathers, particularly Thomas Jefferson, in my opinion, from all the research that I have done, Thomas Jefferson was the greatest man that has ever lived. You talk about, you know, freedom. I mean, just look at all of his writings, his letters, the Declaration of Independence, uh, on and on and on. What a great, great man. But what's amazing about not only him, but a lot of our founding fathers, their ability to perceive, to look into the future, to look perceptively through the a portals of time and see the pitfalls that America may fall into. And I I'd just like to share another little aside here. I meant to share it a minute ago, talking about the MSO. When I bought my car um, a couple of years ago, um, I I told them I wanted the uh, manufacturer's statement of origin. I had no intention at the time of uh, registering the car, paying the fees, and you know, getting a certificate of title. I wanted a low deal title. Well, believe me, the dealer bought me tooth and nail on that. Really? And um, I uh, actually, because of the car that I wanted, was very rare at that time. It was a Buick LaCrosse Avenir model. Uh And there were very few of the Avenir model. Very few of them made that year. I mean, it's top of the line, loaded with all the technology and everything. nice, uh huh? And when I bought mine, there were only three available in the country, one in California, one in Texas, and one in Jacksonville, Florida. And I live in the Tampa Tampa area, so they were able to de-exit. So I didn't really have much leverage to go to another dealer, which I wish I would have. Now, I finally... So I finally succumbed and I did get my have my car registered, get the certificate of title, but I did finally get a copy of the MSO. Um, so I do have the MSO for that car. Um, however, they stamped in bold red letters on the MSO copy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if that's enough for me to take my license plates off and, I'll stop paying for the registration every year or not frankly i don't want to get into that hassle, so i'm probably not going to do it but i did end up getting a copy of the uh, mSO
2: well, that's, our, a, that's a that's a good effort for-
1: that was a victory in itself now i if i had the had i had the leverage to go to other dealers i i would have found one would have been okay we want the sale. All right, here. I'll give it to you. Here it is. You take care of getting it registered or whatever and would have given me the original MSO. But uh, I didn't have that luxury. So anyway.
2: Well, you fought the good fight, Ken. Yes. All right. So now we're at the top of 195. Sovereignty be damned. Self-interest seems to have replaced the call of patriotism. I mean, talk about... A, a lucid statement. Everywhere you look now, it's special snowflakes who just want to be special and want to be validated for being special. I'm so sick of that. The trannies, the uh the and violent Antifa types, the the uh unbelievable. American
1: well, American Go ahead. Yeah, it's like I put somewhere in the book and I don't remember exactly where it is. I think I think it's further on in the book, but Just look at the proliferation of tattoos in society today. Right. Uh, I don't, now, you know, that's their their right. They have the freedom to do that. And I would never do that to myself. And I have a hard time imagining how somebody would do that to their body. But I understand why. And I make the statement in my book, not an exact quote, it's something similar to this, that, man today people today are swimming in a sea of humanity just looking crying out aloud for attention for somebody to notice them yes and that's what this whole transvestite thing is about in my opinion i yeah. certainly think that's what all of this uh tattoo thing is about just crying aloud to be noticed to look different from somebody else as if the way God created them is not different enough. I mean, when you think about it, never thought about it so much before the last couple of years, but, you know, I'm a people watcher, and I go to the gym and work out about every day, and and I go to the gym, and I'm a people watcher. And do you realize that in all the eons of time, The billions and billions of people that are on this earth or have been on this earth over all the years of time, however long that is, no two people are exactly alike. You are unique. Even so-called identical twins are unique in some way. Now, that should be enough for you as an individual to realize that God created you to be who you are, that you are unique from any other people that has ever lived.
2: That is an excellent point, Ken. And you know what's so tragic about your observation is I've been saying for years since I came back to the, the media that um, the, the 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 deep state, the globalists, the Satanists have been uh initiating a very sophisticated multi-layer psyop to force the average normie the average people to stay in a level of immaturity emotionally intellectually and spiritually somewhere between that of a three-year-old and a 10-year-old right and so that way you 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 have that longing because Historically, there was always a a level towards a mature adulthood, a a, a wisdom path to grow as a member of your society, your tribe, or what have you, and take your place as an adult man or woman, right? There are various trials, and, and, and you had to. Earn that right, and and you were supported by your elders in your passage into becoming one of the adults. And now the exact opposite is true, in my opinion. So you have the three year old, and those are the violent, low impulse, uh, ghetto types, or the mestizo Indians. But then you've got the ten-year-old who are the PhDs and the the, the and, and the, mm-hmm. uh, the the know-it-all, know-nothing uh, with their rainbow hair trying to groom children. I mean, but they're also amazingly immature at every level. It's disgusting to me. Your thoughts?
1: Uh, absolutely. And part of the what the global elite, the deep state, is trying to do is. They're trying to de-individualize people. Right. They're trying to make people indistinguishable from each other. Hence the crying out of people to be different. For Notice me for who I am. Yeah. Uh, give me my self-worth that I am due. And unfortunately, too many people don't realize that their self-worth comes from within and is not to be gotten from recognition from this guy or that guy or or whatever you accomplish or don't accomplish. We all have an innate God-given self-worth.
2: Absolutely. And then you, you continue on. So lucidly, uh, Americans no longer pray to their creator as their supplier, but look to the government for their entitlement. The work ethic has been abandoned. The entitlement ethic conceived. The God of the universe has been supplanted by, with, in capital letters by the lowercase God of the government. Like constitutional government, John F. Kennedy's famous words from 1961 have been turned upside down. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Ask not what America will do for you, but what together we can do for the freedom of man. Americans care not for the good of the country. Americans care about what the government can do for them. Americans care not for the freedom of man and have willingly adorned the shackles of government sustenance. Yes, welfare, unemployment, workers' compensation, food stamps, grants, disability, national health insurance, child support, daycare, free housing, benefits for immigrants, and and a seemingly inexhaustible list of government handouts come with a heavy price, chains and shackles in place of freedom and autonomy. William Somerset Monham perceived the danger in 1941, open quote, if a nation values anything more than freedom, it will lose its freedom. And the irony of it is that if you it, that if it is comfort or money it values more it will lose that too which we're now living as the uh, international Jew as Dave Gahari likes to refer to it is is done such a massive wealth transfer they've gutted the real wealth of this economy yep and its citizenry that if it takes comfort or money. It values more, it will lose that too. Americans have taken their freedom for granted, even as their freedom is being continually eroded by an increasingly despotic government. Give them bread, and they will care not for their freedom until it had perished, and then it is too late. Jeez, that is so true. And then we'll finish up with this last paragraph. The people of the South understood what was happening and fought to preserve the sovereignty of the people, the state over the federal government, and of God over all. They fought to preserve the integrity of the de jure United States Constitution. They understood that their rights were God-given, unalienable, and which no government could abrogate. The function of government was crystal clear that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. And there you go. And Ken, your thoughts, and uh, we've got about a minute left, so your final statement.
1: Yeah, um, I can't really say that any chapter in the book is more important than any other, but this chapter, chapter seven, is just filled with really good, valuable information. Uh, Some of the footnotes in the book are almost a page long, Um, just This is a chapter when you get the book, you really want to chew on it.